Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do. And I bet it can be hard work, but you know, what's easy bundling policies with Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowners or renters insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing too, because you already have so much to do around your home. Go to Geico.com, get a quote and see how much you could save. It's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. I got to tell you one of my favorite things I do every single day as I go read the reviews for SaveWithConrad.com. Check this one out from Paulo in Riverbank, California. He left us a five-star review and he had this to say, Derek and the team were easy to work with and very accessible. The whole process was smooth and relatively fast. I was able to save money and reduce my interest rate by about 1%. No gimmicks. Conrad and his team will drop kick your costs and put you over with more money in your pocket. Head over to savewithconrad.com, brother. I love when people work wrestling lingo into the reviews and even cut a little promo. Thanks for that, Paulo. You put a smile on my face today. And that's what we'd like to do for your family. Put a smile on your face with how much money you can save. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to do this. And dude, if we can't save you some cash, we won't waste your time. So what are you waiting for? Get yourself a quick quote right now. Interest rates are on the rise and you don't want to miss this. Waiting will only cost you money. Hurry to savewithconrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. And oh yeah, no house payments for two months. Come get you some of that mean gene. Savewithconrad.com. Man, we love talking about our friend Steven Singer. And I'll tell you, the competition must really hate this guy. He just makes the experience of buying a diamond better and better. And he makes it fun. Steven is the very first to offer each and every customer the perfect price. That's right. Have you ever wondered if you're getting the best price? Are you uncomfortable negotiating? Well, head to Steven Singer Jewelers and you're guaranteed to get the perfect price. You'll never pay more than the guy sitting next to you. Here's a little insider tip. Most jewelers mark their merchandise way up just to mark it down to make you feel like you're getting a deal. The guy next to you may be paying less. Do you want the most important purchase of your life to be based on your negotiating skills? That's never the case at Steven Singer because at Steven Singer Jewelers, you're guaranteed to get the perfect price all day, every day, 365 days a year. That's why we trust Steven Singer. He makes the experience of buying a diamond so easy. So check out Steven Singer Jewelers at the other corner of 8th and Walnut in Philly or online at IHateStevenSinger.com. Steven Singer Jewelers, one place, one price. Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to Arn. And of course, we couldn't do it without the master of ceremonies, the creator of the Spine Buster, the founder of the Four Horsemen, the Hall of Famer himself, Double A, Arn Anderson. Arn, how are you, man? A lot of news, a lot of good news, finally, right? There is a lot of good news. It feels like uh, things are starting to turn the corner a little bit. You guys have had some crowds at AEW recently, and 
believe it or not, we're getting a WrestleMania with fans present. That'll be nice for a change. And, uh, more specifically that weekend, a great friend of the show and one of our uh, tag team partners over at adfreeshows.com, Eric Bischoff is a hall of famer. I was, uh, I was thrilled to see the news are, and I think it's long overdue. What do you think? Congratulations, Eric. That's a, that is a hell of an accolade. It is an honor to be thought of in that light by your peers. And yep, it's about time. You've done a lot of innovative things in this industry. It's nice to be uh, recognized for that. I know it feels good. You know what? And it's, it's like when people want to see my ring, uh, you know, I'm, I'm proud to show them that and, uh, you will be too. So congratulations. That's uh, great news for him. Congrats all around to the Bischoff family. I'm sure that, uh, his wife and children are super proud to, you know, his impact between nitro and the NWO and, oh yeah. He was also a pretty great on-screen character. I'm excited that, uh, that he's finally getting his rightful place and believe it or not, we got more good news. Tony Schiavone, another stable mate here for us at adfreeshows.com kicked off his Kickstarter campaign for a graphic novel. So like a super duper comic book with the story of his life, it's over at butts and seats, comic.com. And, uh, they set a goal Arn, of, Hey, we want to raise $20,000 over the next 30 days. And boy, they've just cruised past $70,000. They've exceeded all expectations. It's going to be the biggest graphic novel in wrestling history. It's a home run. I didn't think Tony had it in him. Uh, I'm, I'm glad that he stepped out of his comfort zone and, and tried to do this because I've been trying to tell Tony for a long time, man, you're a beloved figure with wrestling fans You're the voice of our childhood. And I think he found out and was a little overwhelmed with the response. Well, listen, when you're going to talk about his life story, it's gotta be either in a comic book or science fiction section. When you agree. <laughs> yes. agree. When you got 32 kids, you can only put that in a comic book. But on a serious note, Tony, very proud of you. Very happy for you. Wow, man, that's great. You are a beloved figure, just not with anyone that knows you. That's exactly right. Uh, I couldn't have said it any better. Uh, we're having a lot of fun here on the show. Of course, last week, unfortunately, we had a bit of a sad show. We talked about the very last Monday Nitro. It's hard to believe that's been 20 years ago. But as you know, every other week, uh, we do hashtag ask Arn anything. And, uh, next week we'll be back just in time for WrestleMania. We're going to talk about WrestleMania 32, but at least for now, let's get to some questions. We've got a ton of questions. I don't think we'll get to them all, but if you want to ask a question for two weeks from now, it's easy. Just go follow us on Twitter. It's at the Arn show. And uh, we're trying to get to as many of these as we can. So there's a good chance. We'll ask your question. Go follow us on Twitter right now. It's at the Arn show. And by the way, you get all these shows early and ad free over at adfreeshows.com, including video. To get to see Arn uh, tell some of these great stories, the Armchair Booking Podcast wants to know the '86 Starcade fence match between the Andersons and the Rock and Roll Express is underrated and overlooked when mentioning great tag matches in cages. Where does Arn rank that match against other matches he was in? And I think this is even a favorite of Steve Austin's. I remember he did a podcast years ago where he talked about that being one of his absolute favorite matches. And it almost feels like it's one of the forgotten cage matches. What can you tell us about that one? Well, I didn't forget it and nobody in Greensboro forgot it. It was one of those situations that had, uh, some circumstances that, that make for a lot of drama. Number one, the rock and roll express were red hot. They were the champions. 
going into a cage match with Ole and myself. So uh, it's not like usually when the when the bad guys are the champions and they're just trying to avoid getting beat. That's a great story. But now we had to go on the attack. And that match was scheduled to go pretty good amount of time. I want to say it was over 45 minutes, bell to bell, something like that. And uh, that crowd was so energized. And uh, after much hoopla, we proceeded to give individually the Rock and Roll Express a tremendous ass whooping. And we took most of that match, which we would normally do, but both guys were bleeding, I believe. I know Ricky was. I'm pretty sure I was. Um, Ole and Robert, I can't remember, but it just, the false finishes on those champions, those guys were so hot at the time. They were so over. There was so much jeopardy on the fact that they were in a cage. They were confined. Crawling out was not going to get you anything. Uh, you had to stay in there and win the match. And it just, we built two sets of heat on those guys and each guy got a, a comeback and, and all those situations, the audience thought, okay, this, this is it. This has got to be it. This has got to be it. Cause once you go past 30 minutes, a match takes on a different flavor. Yes, it does. You know, being a fan yourself, like I am, it start, you start to settle in and now you go, okay, they've exhausted. Each team's look pretty good here. Okay. The bad guys are kicked. You know, the good guys ass a good, pretty good amount of time. When you get that last tag that hot tag and that comeback, most people just assume that's it. And when you shut those guys down again, the audience mouths were just gaped open. Like, Holy, Oh God, this could get pretty bad. And uh, I believe the, the actual ending of the match was something along the lines of, of I scooped up Ricky or something for a slam and Robert drop kicked him in the back, which dropped, knocked him on top of me and one, two, three. And Ole was trying to kill the guys as they were getting out of the cage. It was, it was uh, good for all four. And, you know, those guys winning in the middle were great for them. But the fact that we got the pound a knot in their ass was great for us. So if not the best tag match Ole and I ever had, certainly one of the top two, I would think. Man, if you're a business owner, you don't need us to tell you that running a business is tough. But you might be making it harder on yourself than necessary. Don't let QuickBooks and spreadsheets slow you down anymore. It's time to upgrade to NetSuite. Stop paying for multiple systems that don't give you the information you need when you need it. Ditch those spreadsheets and all the old software you've outgrown. Now is the time to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle, the world's number one cloud business system. NetSuite gives you visibility and control over your financials, HR, inventory, e-commerce, and more. Everything you need all in one place instantaneously. Whether you're doing a million or hundreds of millions in revenue, save both time and money with NetSuite. Join the over 24,000 companies using NetSuite right now. Let NetSuite show you how they'll benefit your business with a free product tour at netsuite.com forward slash arn. Schedule your free product tour right now at netsuite.com forward slash arn. 
That's netsuite.com forward slash Arn. Don't you think that maybe I'm wrong on this, but it feels like tag cage matches are much more rare. It feels like usually the cage match is preserved for, you know, one-on-one type situations. Would you agree with that? It should be, you know yeah. why there's no rules. How do you tell a guy to stay out on the apron when there's no rules in a match, right. wait till you get the tag to come in. So that concept, you've really got to stretch your imagination a little bit and just accept the fact that one of the rules in a tag cage match in those days, you had to tag before you came in and stay in. Now you could come in and make saves and things like that, but still the very concept that you can run a guy's head through a cage and that's not a DQ, but you DQ him for coming in without tagging. It's a little bit of a disconnect. So, uh, you know, there shouldn't be any rules in a tag in a cage match and it's much better suited. Like you said, for a one-on-one, you don't have to worry about the other guy unless it's just like a, a tag team cage match, tornado rules, all four guys at the same time. But still, it's not as good, and I think this is where you were going, as a single because when you got four guys fighting, you can only watch one thing at a time. That's right. You're going to miss something, and you can't just, you know, back and forth like a tennis match, watch this guy for 10 seconds and float over here to this guy. It's much better suited for a one-on-one, hopefully a world title match with a hell of a challenger and a, a champion that has some heat. I just think when people talk about greatest cage match here, there, whatever, this tag match never really gets talked about, which is why I referenced it as sort of the forgotten tag match, because everyone, when you bring this match up, they say, oh, that was one of the best cage matches ever. But it does feel like when you go to quote unquote, make a list, the, the list always winds up being singles. And I think this is without question, the greatest tag cage match ever. Well, I, I appreciate the compliment. I wouldn't say it wasn't. Yeah. Um, and you know what I would suggest, we, uh, that's the reason I love this, this, uh, podcast that we have something like that. We could tell people, Hey, go back and watch it. Let us know what you think. Yeah. You know, it's available. It, you know, go back. It's one you might've forgot about. Hey man. And matter of fact, please do that. I'd like to know what the consensus is, you know, as far as greatest tag cage matches of all time, where do we rank? And the fans are the ones that's the only really opinion that matters yeah. to be honest with you, what the fans think. Uh, Justin wants to know who are three guys you believe could have gotten to superstar status, but just couldn't get out of their own way during your run as a producer in WWE. Oh, wow. 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 Maybe you don't have three, but can you name one that you thought, man, this guy's just got it. He just can't help himself. He's getting quote unquote heat on himself. And by the way, I want to mention that. I don't think whatever answer you're about to give is an indictment on that talent. Wrestling is a unique and very interesting space where politics and the do's and don'ts. I mean, there's a lot of things that if you aren't familiar with it, you could accidentally find yourself with heat in a hurry. And you've even said once upon a time, you felt like you fell out of favor with Vince and nobody could really put their finger on why it's just a a, a unique company and a unique political dynamic. Am I explaining that right? Yeah, as best you can. It's, it's, you know, what is the darling today of the company? You could wake up tomorrow morning and why is, why is he not this? Why is he not that? 
you know, it changes right on, on the drop of a hat. It changes, you know, one guy that I thought, or a couple of guys, let me just put it to you this way that I thought could have had a lot bigger future. If they would have, a lot of things would have been done. Say they hadn't have been WCW guys before that. I think that hurt them. Right. Chuck Palumbo and Sean O'Hare. Oh yeah. I think could have had much bigger future. Sean O'Hare, man, had, had an incredible look as you know, he looked like a freaking warlock and a big one. And he just had those evil eyes that you can't really, there's probably real pure evil living behind them. It's not a something he's concocted. Chuck Palumbo, handsome guy, you know, very personable, an excellent worker. You know, I think if those guys would have been recruited and came through the, the WWE system, they would have been much, much bigger stars. Nothing they did on their own other than, you know, the untimely death, which was terrible, you know, because I like Sean, um, Sean O'Hare, you know, it's another tragedy of the wrestling business, I guess, or at least a guy that died too soon. We agree. Um, um, as far as someone getting out of their way, I will say this because, you know, I'm, I'm hoping it's gotten better. You know, I think, I think Kevin Owens, when he first got there, you know, um, I think should have been used right out of the get-go as a baby face, not a heel. Forget about, you know, the fact that he doesn't have a world-class body and all that stuff. I just thought once I saw that first night that he wrestled John Cena, that, uh, man, they were, they were soundly behind the guy. Maybe it's, he's kind of like me. He's the everyday man. He just has got a lot more skills and a lot more high tech skills. Uh, but you know, there was a lot of times, you know, I told Kevin this, he was a pain in the ass arguing over trivial things, you know, that really didn't matter. It could have, okay, we could do your idea. But how about this idea? I mean, it, they both work kind of, but, you know, this is just easier. It just seemed like it was just easier to implement it in. And it would be a long, drawn-out discussion. And, and he and I have had this talk before. I hope he's done doing better. And apparently the company, he's been there a long time. He's making a shit pot of money, I'm sure, and good for him. And uh it, it was just as a producer, you know, you had guys that you were, you saw your name written down beside them and you went, this is going to be a piece of cake today or man, I'm in for a long day. It can be a little frustrating, especially if you're in a hurry or running late to find yourself at a railway crossing waiting for a train. And if the signals are going and the train's not even there yet, you may feel a bit tempted to try and sneak across the tracks. Well, don't ever. To the naked eye, trains often appear to be further away and moving slower than they are, and they can't stop quickly. And even if the engineer hits the emergency brakes right away, it can take a train over a mile to stop. Over a mile to stop. By that time, it's too late, and the result is a potential deadly crash. The point is, you can't know how quickly the train will arrive. The train can't stop quickly, and even if it sees you, it ends in disaster. If the signals are on, the train is on its way and you just need to remember one thing. Stop. Trains can't paid for by NHTSA. 
Well, that's a great answer. I don't know what I was expecting, but, uh, yeah, good stuff. Let's, uh, let's do another one here. Lindsay wants to know, uh, what's the feeling on at, Hey, Hey, it's Conrad now being hashtag all elite. What's his contract worth? Arn, we get this question all the time. You just clear up the air for everybody. I don't work for AEW. I never have. I, I mean, I get that. Okay. I made an appearance on the show, but so did uh, our buddy, Brandon from barstool sports. And I mean, so did Eric Bischoff, like that's a one-off media scrum. I don't work for AEW. Come on. Conrad is his own man. That's what I like. He is a, I've always said, I wish I had enough money where if a guy just slightly got out of line or, you know, anybody else, I could just tell him where to get off. <laughs> That's where Conrad is. Now he's a super friend of not only AEW, cause some of his best friends work there, but he's a wrestling fan. He's a wrestling fan of WWE. He's a wrestling fan of, I'm sure of some parts of new Japan. Of course. Impact. All those shows, independence. He's a wrestling fan. I'm a wrestling fan. Obviously, the people listening to this broadcast, which is outside of just cutting on the TV show once a week, you're all wrestling fans. But he was loaded way back, way before he got in the wrestling business. And now, <laughs> now it's because he has all of us, number one, generating all this cash every day of the week that we're pocketing some and he's pocketing some he's gotten absolutely obnoxious, rich. Oh my gosh. Listen to you. So it's okay to be pissed about Conrad being so wealthy when you, your house is cut into the side of a mountain and you've got that infinity pool Oh gosh! and you got all those play toys, you know, you got, you got the pool table room. You got the big screening room. You got you got to dodge two Bentleys just to get in his house <laughs> going through the garage. Not true. It's okay if you're out there and your ass is a little chap because he's so loaded. He is. And he was before he ever got involved in this. But so, I don't work for AEW. I've vented, but he doesn't work for AEW in no. any fashion. So he's neutral. His comments are his own and he can only be held responsible for his own comments. Well, and I think some of it comes from, you know, every now and again, you and I, and we, we've talked about this off air. We'll give a peek behind the curtain. We're breaking down WWE shows from five and 10 and 15 years ago. And at times we're critical of that. And sometimes people think that, oh, that must mean that Arn Anderson's bitter or he's negative and you're not, you're giving your honest answer, but you're happy with your run in WWE. And, but then when we talk about AEW, we talk about it in glowing terms. And I think what people forget is, uh, you work there now, this is present day. And also too, we don't talk about current stuff unless it is in a promotional capacity where we're trying to remind people where they can see you and Tony and Jr. Uh, you're not going to heal on your current employer. And also too, you, you know, you're a, a wrestling character on, on TV. I mean, we're, we're talking to that real guy, but come on, man, that's different from having a critical eye for something that happened 10 or 15 or 20 years ago. And two, as a rule, you and I are never going to ever intentionally impede on someone's opportunity to earn a living in the wrestling space. We're not going to bash those guys and take food off their table. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's room in this business for a bunch of folks. 
Yeah. And, and I want to be clear because a lot of people feel like that, that I am bitter and it's everything is, you know, negative, negative, negative about WWE. That is the farthest thing from the truth. That's right. Uh, I have a lot of friends that are feeding their families there this very moment. I want them to succeed huge because, you know, when the wrestling business blows up, one company blows up and you have a competitor and that competitor gets pulled up by the bootstraps, just like in a match, you know, when a superior guy that is positioned different, you know, a little higher on the ladder reaches down, he can pull a guy that was an underneath guy up, pull him up a rung, same thing. And then business gets hot and everybody benefits. And, and you know, right now, Conrad, I'm hoping and wish they would let 100,000 people come in that stadium for WrestleMania because it's going to open the door for the rest of us, which Tony Khan was the leader of, of, of making crowds when there wasn't a crowd, manufacturing a crowd. Man, it's just going to help all of us get those arenas filled back up and get business back on track to where it should be because I think our fans are clamoring for that. But, hey, you know, I just love wrestling. You know, I love my company because they have been super good to me and I'm super loyal to them and they're going to find that out. You know, they're going to have to run me off. I'm not going to, you know pretty much what the other company found out. They got to fire me to get rid of me, which they did. And I hope Tony doesn't have that thought in mind anytime <laughs> soon. Just a little sidebar there, Tony Khan. But I just, I just love the company. I love the attitude of all the people there and everybody. You've been backstage. Man, they're all thankful. And yeah. Thankful to be there. And it's just that kind of environment just permeates more positive thoughts. Totally agree. And I'm glad we, uh, cleared the air. Let's clear the air on something else. Tony and I talk about this all the time on his podcast on Wednesday. It's what happened when we've been revisiting all things, Jim Crockett promotions from 1986. Uh, and I just wanted you to sort of clear the air because Tony is arguing with me, but, but I know the truth. Tejo Khan, you remember him part of Paul Jones army. You remember Tejo, right? I do know. And that's Tejo. Oh, sorry. Tejo Khan. My apologies to the Khan family. But that's Tony Khan's uncle. And I don't know why Tony Schiavone won't just admit to that. He wants to argue it with me every week, but, and I think we can give a peek behind the curtain. Fans know that we've seen the, um, the supercar, the Ford GT that, uh, John Moxley had last year on dynamite. That's actually a Khan family car. It's super collectible, super rare. And I think they had like a gimmick license plate that said Mox on it. M O X in real life. It says T Joe in honor of, you know, his favorite uncle T Joe Khan. I mean, that's how they first got their start in the wrestling business. T Joe Khan is Tony Khan's uncle. Just, just smarting everybody up on. You're so full of shit. <laughs> you don't see the family resemblance. I'm telling you, if we got Tony Khan, a, a Mohawk. It's a spitting image. I mean, I don't know if you've seen, but Tony Khan's getting jacked up these days. And I mean, he looks like a little miniature T Joe Khan. That's him. I don't know why people just won't admit to it. Next time you come to Jacksonville to one of the TVs, I'm certain Tony's going to hit you in the head with a plank. That's what his uncle TJ would want him to do. T Joe Khan is Tony. (laughs) 
Come on, man. Let me have just, some fun. Just when I thought I could take you serious. Let's, uh, let's jump around here. Rajiv wants to know, Arn, what's your favorite sport to watch? College football. Yes, sir. And, and it followed very closely by NFL football, Panther fan, university of Georgia fan, more importantly, sec fan, but I will sit down and watch an Ohio state game any day of the week. Uh, I just, man, I love college football when it's, when those stands are full and you've got a, uh, sec rivalry, which I think is the dominant, I'm just going to say it. It's the dominant division in college football. You've got some horses in there and man, it's just fun to watch. I love Saturdays during football season and Sundays. Okay. Let's just be honest with each other. If you're listening to this, there's a 98% chance you're a dude. And there's also a pretty good chance. If you go to your significant other and you say, honey, I think we should refinance with this wrestling podcast guy. She's going to look at you like, huh? And I get that. But let me just put a little bug in your ear. Cruise on over and check out the reviews for us. Here's what people are saying. Christina in Lancaster, Ohio, gave us a five-star review. She says the team was extremely responsive, knowledgeable, helpful with all our questions and time. The process was very quick and simple, and we were shocked at how easily everything came together. Thank you for that review, Christina. Here's what Brian in Moorhead, Minnesota said. If you want to refinance, choose these guys. They walked me through every step, and they were great to work with. Here's what Lewis said in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Great communication, very friendly, and knowledgeable staff. Here's what Lauren said in Monroe, Connecticut. Conrad made the process easy and was a pleasure to work with. Here's what Bailey said in Maryville, Tennessee. I was looking to refinance for my mortgage. First family made it easy and efficient. I got a great rate, and I was very pleased with the outcome. What about Jeffrey in Michigan? He gave us a five-star review, and he wrote... Everyone was helpful and patient with some of our local lenders, not wanting to help find the missing documents. I get it. It's a wrestling podcast, but he's saving us money on our mortgage. You really trust this process. The reviews don't lie. Five-star review after five-star review. We make it fast. We make it easy and it's no cost or obligation. Give us a shot to earn your business. I'm telling you, you'll be glad you did, especially if you like keeping more of your own money. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket. So what are you waiting for? Hurry to savewithconrad.com. NLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. Get yourself a quick quote right now. Interest rates are on the rise and you don't want to miss it. Waiting will only cost you money. Hurry, savewithconrad.com. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's ask the question everybody wants to know. Rajiv did it. What's the trick to always looking the same age? Well, we've been through this and everybody's got it figured out when you're prematurely bald and you don't have a bodybuilder body, you know, I've worked out and, you know, most people don't even believe this, but I've worked out pretty consistently, you know, my entire uh, wrestling career. And before that, starting at about 15 years old. But when you don't have necessarily good genetics and you got a slow metabolism and your tendency, if you just didn't work out or do anything, is to be a big tub of shit, which is exactly where I would be headed had I not. It was always a constant battle, but uh, it just made me get up and go to the gym even more. Um, 
which I enjoy to do. You know, I enjoy getting that sweat anyway. So, uh, what was the question? Well, what's the key to looking the same age forever? As far as this head, this human coconut that is sitting on my shoulders, uh, I just looked old at 25. I looked 45 at 25. And there now, back when I was tanning, as we know, which is a subject that comes up time from time, brown fat, you know, fat looks better brown than white. I'm sorry. And you can put a tan on somebody and they instantly will look healthier, actually look a little more in shape and uh, not being able to tan anymore simply because you got to put a, you know, you got to put a damper on it sometime, you know, you're worried about skin cancer and all that stuff. And God knows I tan for a long time being white with a gray beard and a little touch paunchy. It's not a good combination, but I was always kind of that except minus the beard. Now, anybody doesn't believe it, take a gray beard diet and it will peel about 10 years off your life. Here's a little secret there. Gentlemen, Conrad knows he got a little gray, he had a little bit of gray creeping in there. Yes, I do. It just helps try it just for me. And it's simple about eight bucks a, a gimmick. Well, Tony Schiavone is well stocked up on it. As you know, you know, it's funny when we were down in Jacksonville, uh, me and, and our gimmick attorney, Mr. Mike Dawkins and Dave Silva, who does all our graphics here on the show, we're hanging out at our Airbnb and uh, we're watching some old wrestling and just randomly Silva pops out. You know, if I could have any physique from a wrestler back in the day who I would pick and Dawkins and I looked at each other, like what a weird thing to say, but then he said, Arn Anderson. And I thought that was even weirder. And I'm like, first of all, where does that come from? And why would you pick Arn Anderson? And his line that I think he meant to be complimentary is going to earn him a spine buster. The next time you see him, he said it was believable. Okay. He meant it because I know Dave digs me, right? Yes. Oh God. He's obsessed in a big way. We are friends. Thank you for that, Dave. Uh, yeah, it was, uh, believable. <laughs> Virtually anybody that wanted to eat six fud sickles a day could still have my physique. <laughs> just, so it's a win-win. It's tremendous. Speaking of food, let's jump into it. Drew Landry wants to know Wendy's spicy chicken sandwich or Popeye's spicy chicken sandwich. You know what? I have been a fan of the Wendy's chicken sandwich for so long. It's kind of hard to not be faithful. I do like the, uh, the Popeye's. But, you know, Wendy's, it makes a pretty damn good spicy chicken sandwich. Now everybody has one. Just like we were talking earlier when the wrestling business, one company blows up, flares up, the rest of them usually follow behind. Now everybody's got one of those thick-ass, crunchy chicken sandwiches. I saw where KFC has one now. Everybody's doing it now. So it's a fat guy's bonanza. That's all I can tell you. Uh, here's another food question. Then we'll move on. Uh, preference of North Carolina barbecue vinegar or mustard based. Once again, I don't do any sauce on my barbecue. Even if it's a rack of ribs, no sauce requested. What if it's JR sauce? Uh, I would have to put a little bit on the side just because 
I'm loyal to Jr. He's one of one of us. He's one of the good guys. And I would possibly dip my toe in there to get a little taste, but I would probably leave most of it laying. Sorry, Jay. Just no sauce, not much sauce on the meat for me. Boy, that right there was a Mariano Rivera type save. Good job for you. Uh, Jeremy Sasser wants to know. <laughs> God, hey, I can be political. Uh, when Arn was an agent for WWE, did he want to do something else? Like maybe be a scout for talent relations or something. I think he would have been amazing. We've heard over the years that Regal has sort of adopted that role and he would go visit indie shows and see some, some foreign shows and, and scout talent. Do you think that would have been something you would have enjoyed or not so much? Yeah, I would have, if it, as long as that was my job and it wasn't also and added to my other responsibilities which I could see that happening. Right. Uh, but yeah, man, that, I think that's one of the, one of the things I, I do have a little bit of expertise in is being able to watch something and, and see how much potential somebody has at that particular time and what it would take to make them better. Or if they probably don't have the aptitude to be in the business and there might be a question mark there, the ability to assess talent is pretty critical. You know, if you're a producer with a WWE and certainly with any company, uh, you got to know what you're looking at. And a, a lot of guys may just be the fact that they've never had a guy with a lot more experience, sit them down and go, you know, I watched your match and I like this and I like this. And you might've moved this around a little bit. This really blows, take it out. They might've never had that kind of creative, you know, constructive criticism. And it, all it takes is something like that. And the light comes on and they go, wow. And I'll tell you a kid, you know, that comes up and comes to mind that takes instruction really, really well and has a great attitude is Ricky Starks. Really? Really does. He's got a ton of talent, but you know, when you sit him down, I try to sit him down cause he's a, I think he's a good, he's a nice kid. He's a good kid for the business. He's got a lot of, a lot of a high end, you know, prospect perspective, you know, he, he, he looks at things kind of like a top guy is he just needs a little more experience, but, uh, yeah, he's a guy that, that is definitely coachable. Just wanted to take a second to remind you of all the great shirts available at orangeshirts.com and all the orange show gimmicks over at boxagimmicks.com. Pick up an orange show track jacket, pick up a four horseman hoodie, get a cultured bulk shirt, or grab a poster of Dave Silva's cover art. Whatever you need to show off your love of the orange show. That's orangeshirts.com and boxagimmicks.com. Let's, uh, let's do some more questions here. Uh, this one is one we've never talked about and it's sort of old school and, uh, you weren't there at the time, but you saw it like everybody did. And especially being in the business, I'm curious your take. Mike Eldridge wants to know what did Arn think of the Jerry Lawler, Andy Kaufman angle? That was big business back then. Yeah. Well, the old, that would have been, what years would that have been around? You Early eighties, probably 82, 83. I was just getting start started in the business and I hadn't gotten so knee deep in my own concepts of, of what, what was right and what was wrong in the business. I was still like a baby. I was just absorbing everything. The one thing I do remember is that it made Jerry a bigger star. Oh yeah. Because, you know, Kaufman was, was a star in like just normal entertainment 
industry. And when you combine those, which was one of the first times that anything like that had been done to that degree, right? Yeah, I think so. It, uh, it, I looked at that and went, wow, man, this Jerry Lawler must be a mega star to, to get that spot. And, you know, and they did it in a way that if you're an Andy Kaufman fan, you got pissed at Jerry. Yeah, for sure. You know, it, it's very seldom that we get to smack around the celebrities and, you know, use them to benefit our show. It's always, we're trying to benefit those guys so that their careers grow. But in this case, you know, it was like a give and take and, and Andy Kaufman really played a, a, a weasel, you know, and, uh, I'm sure he was a little bit, you know, frightened being in there with a pro like, like Jerry Lawler. And, uh, I thought it was just good for, for the business in general. Let's do uh, another one here. Uh, what are Arn's thoughts on the bunkhouse stampede concept? We've talked a lot about, uh, JCP lately. So this one really stuck out. what do you think of that concept of a match? The bunkhouse stampede? Well, you know, that was anything goes and anything did go and you would come and you're, you know, we would try to dress up with, in our cowboy boots and our big belt buckles or weight belts or anything that could be used as a weapon. Uh, it was wild because you could fight all over the building, actually fight out in the crowd, which got very dangerous. Sometimes people would get caught up in it and you would get hit in the head with batteries and punched in the back of the head, whole beers thrown on you. Uh, if you chose to go out in the crowd, but it was just, it was as a fan, it's hard to watch. 10 things going on, mm-hmm. but I think it was such a unique concept at the time. And it was, uh, mainly it had all top, top guys in it. It was just such a spectacle that it absolutely worked. I think the follow-up question to that was, what did you think about dusty booking himself to win? Pretty controversial well, I, question. I never had a problem with that. Dusty was the biggest star in the company. He just, he just was now Ricky and Robert, you could say were as hot as you can get. Yeah. It was to a particular age group, mostly women, which really helped draw a lot of money because if you've got a lot of women at a wrestling event, guess who follows them into the event? The dudes, a lot, a lot of guys. Yeah. Yeah. And kids loved them. Dusty appealed to everybody. Right. He was a cross the board champion for everybody, for grandmothers, grandfathers, 25 year olds. He appealed to everybody and I'm sure kids too. And he, you know, he's the biggest star. He was the biggest star in the company and him winning, you know, what I want to see. Okay. That ended with Ivan Koloff as your winner or Arn Anderson is your winner or, uh, Dennis Condry won, you know, that doesn't have the same ring. Buckhouse Stampede, Dusty, who had on cowboy boots every time you saw him. Yep. You know, it just fit. And if people will look at it and look at the concept, it was like a bunch of cowboys having a a brawl, you know, back in the in the saloon of the old days. And that was the theme of it. And Dusty, you know, I had no problem with him when it was the right choice. Uh, what do you think are, um, or what are Arn's thoughts on ECW's contributions to the wrestling business? 
Well, but hats off to what all those guys did to their bodies, making that extreme. It really was extreme. And, uh, they beat themselves up. They went to extremes, you know, I'm sure if you went back and you took a toll, a legitimate injury toll of, of what happened in those days, you just didn't publicize it. You know, a guy would just disappear. I'm sure off TV for a few weeks or whatever it was, but man, those guys did some incredible things that I would have never, I would have quit the business before doing as much as I love the business. It just, it just, it really was extreme and, and, you know, falling out of the, the freaking ceiling and going through four tables and all that stuff. And this exploding and, and baseball bats with wire around them. It just, you know, you could walk in the back door and you could sense that it was a different environment. And these guys who had probably tried to get jobs with the Bigger companies, you know, Jim Crockett, WWF at the time, whatever it may be, the different companies, they landed with ECW. And, and to a degree, they had a lot of, I want to say, misfits, but misfits in a good way. Guys who were willing to do anything to be part of something. And it was like a bunch of renegades, and it was a wild atmosphere, and it, it was different from anything on television, for sure. What do you think, uh, Heyman's legacy is going to be in wrestling? I think there will be, there was a niche crowd for ECW. I think Yeah. more so than, you know, you got a lot of general fans that watch WCW and WWE and, and the other shows, but I think it was a niche audience that once those people grew out of that, uh, I don't know who would have stepped in to replace them as far as, you know, you'd have to look at the network and see how much, you know, how many hits you get on ECW versus the other stuff. Um, what was the Friday end of the question? What do you think Heyman's legacy will be? Yeah, in Heyman, I'm sorry. And guys, I'm sorry. I get rambling and I forget no, no, what, dude, what we're, we're supposed having, to be talking about. We're having a long conversation here. It's all good. I think Paul will be revered for giving that niche group of fans something that they could call their own, but I think he will be more remembered when it's all said and done is his ability to cut a promo and tell a story, which is currently, you know, his, it's easy to, to cut a promo in one sense when you're talking about a product like Brock Lesnar or Roman Reigns as a heel, right? It's easy to, I could tell you, I could go on for hours and tell you how great they are and never miss a beat because it's all accurate, but he puts that, that seasoned, slimy cutthroat, uh, intelligent, been there, done that, you know, he's got something up his sleeve. All those qualities go into his promo and it makes him a great talker and it makes you want to listen to him. And when it's all said and done, you feel like you need to take a shower, but you were impressed with a lot of the things he said. And I think that's what he'll be remembered for his ability to talk, which is so important, communicating and connecting with the audience, positive or negative. Very important. Here's one. Uh, what are Arn's memories of great American bash 88, where he and Tully fought sting and Nikita. Why didn't he and Tully face the road warriors? 
Is it true that JJ got a bigger payoff than he and Tully, according to the uh, Ric Flair and the four horsemen DVD? I'm sure he did. I wasn't worried about that. People didn't, what people didn't know behind the scenes, JJ was um, a manager that if we had three matches that night, sometimes he would go out three times with us. Right. He was also the assistant booker, which he had office job. When we were all going home for the day, JJ would have to, before we'd leave for a town, would have to get up, go to the office for a few hours. Right. He had a full schedule. He earned his money. I will never, ever begrudge JJ Dillon a dime that he made in the business. Uh, now, as far as that match, I've watched it a couple times back, man. I enjoyed that. Those guys were, they were good to go. They wanted to go out and tear the joint down. We were early on the show, right? Were yep. we first? I don't remember if you were first or not, but it was early. It was early. And we knew we we're going to have a fresh crowd and, and all four of us. Five of us counting JJ were gun ho to go out and just like every other night when it was all said done, had no problem coming back through the curtain and looking at the guys going on next and go, okay, they're set up for you. Follow that. Cause it was meant not as a dig. It was meant as a positive. It's much easier to follow a great match than a stinker. Oh yeah, for sure. My God, custom audience is mad at you as soon as you come through the curtain. I hope this ain't the shits too. Right. Versus, holy smokes, that was fantastic. And we and these guys are still still yet to go. Oh my God. So, you know, it's uh we were looking forward to it and I think it paid dividends. We had a blast. I thought it was a pretty good match. This is Paul Bromwell reminding you that now is the time to take the leap and join adfreeshows.com. The recent WWE Hall of Fame announcement regarding Eric Bischoff was huge and some would say way overdue. And believe it or not, the first live event he requested was an interactive Zoom call with every member of the ad-free shows community. The best part? His wife, Lori Bischoff, joined as well, and they both chatted directly with many of our members. Take a listen as Lori shares what Eric being in the Hall of Fame means to her. Um, I am I am on cloud nine all this week. Something has happened that has been long awaited and well deserved. And um, you probably most of you know that we have we will be celebrating our 37th wedding anniversary this summer and um and we were together a couple years before that so we've been on this whole journey together uh our our story began before wrestling uh you know that that part of the story so uh i've been along for an amazing ride and it has been quite the um, magical journey. It's been sort of like going to the fair <laughs> and you just you know, between the roller coaster and the house of mirrors and, and you know, the spin art and all the, all the goodies that come with it. Don't forget uh, the horror amazing. show. You gotta throw in the horror show. <laughs> no, no, no real horrors. Just lots of, uh, just lots of thrill rides, but but it's been amazing, and I'm so proud of him, and and I can't wait to be there to to see this all unfold, and and it's good time now. It's a really good time. So he's he's my guy, and I knew this was going to happen. It was just a matter of time, and I'm really proud of him. Thank you, babe. As a result of being a part of this experience firsthand, we had many people decide to level up 
Member Matt Whitaker said as a result of that experience alone, he made the decision to be a top guy and is not looking back. So become a member today and enjoy all the interactive events and exclusive shows over at adfreeshows.com. Here's one. Um, how does Arn think a four horseman versus a fabulous free bird feud would have done? And what about the horseman versus the Von Erics? So we'll start with the first one horseman, free birds. That would have been interesting, but I guess my question is who would have been the good guys in that scenario? Oh God, I don't know. They had a huge following. Um, it could have been very, very interesting. And I think you could have took any combination of the, it could have been me, Ole Rick. It could have been Tully, Ole Rick against three of those guys. Any three, it could have been me, Tully, Ole against those guys. Me, Tully, Barry against those guys. It would have been nice, you know, on our wish list, it would have been nice to have caught them when they were at their peak and we were at our peak. And, and it really wouldn't have mattered to me who they were screaming for or against as long as they were all screaming and very loudly. What about the, uh, the free birds, not the free birds, but the Von Eriks. Did you ever do anything with them? I never worked with those guys. A um, couple of times they were, they came in for big, uh, Bill Watts shows while I was there, I think like the Superdome, I think they might've been there, Carrie and Kevin, maybe not positive, but I, and I think maybe they did a house show in Oklahoma city or Tulsa or one of those, but I really was never around those guys. Um, anytime they appeared at a WWE event, I just made sure I went up and, and, uh, you know, shook their hand and thanked them for being there. It was not lost on me what stars they were and mega stars at one time and all the tragedy that those poor parents had to go through losing all that many, you know, children is, is a mega, mega monster, just monster, terrible story. And it's, uh, what they brought to the business was something very, very special, but we never worked with those guys. And I don't know that, that, uh, I mean, sure. I'm sure it would have been fine, but I don't, I don't know that that's something that would have been on my wish list. Do you have any favorite memories or stories of baby doll or dark journey? Um, the memories of dark journey are, are, um, you know, I know that she was, she was out there with who was it? Tully a few times. She may have been. And and it's, it was so short a time span. Um, I don't really remember her involvement with us. And I think it would have been, I'm, I'm sure it would have been pre horseman. Yeah. Right? You're, you're exactly right. It was with Tully, but it was, believe it or not over in 87, uh, when that happened. So it would have been you know, right in the middle of the horseman run. Really? Yeah. Hmm. I always remembered her more, you know, in the mid South territory, but yeah, I guess she was with Tully in 87 here in JCP. Well, yeah. And it, Hey, and when she was in mid South, she was Dick Slater's girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. You talk, you know, can't you find a building to jump off of? That's, <laughs> that's suicide. And it's fine. That's killing yourself with a rusty pair of, uh, head shears or something. <laughs> Good Lord. Um, 
Baby Doll was a big star. She looked beautiful on TV. She was strong as an ox. I mean, she, I forget who it was or where it was, but I, we're in an airport somewhere and somebody went power ball, power walking past me and she was riding somebody piggyback, one of the guys down the terminal and never missing a stride, just vaulting. So, um, and she, and she was a great, you know, addition in the angle we used her with, with Tully, you know, so, you know, she was, she was uh, a valuable piece of uh, talent at one time and she had a, a pretty good run. Could have been longer, should have been longer maybe, but that's, that's water under the bridge. Here's an interesting one. Can't wait for your response. Was Arn allowed to take vacations when he was a WWE producer? <laughs> yes, we did. Um, actually being an employee, they had a great employee package. And as you were there after five, I think you got, uh, one week. And then after, uh, couple years you got two weeks and then after five years i actually think it, it actually went up to as much as a month i think but uh a vacation time that you could use during that year um but after being there you know 19 years i guess you should have that off but trust me that was the only days off you got you didn't ask for days off aside from that so you had to fit everything you that you wanted to do as far as vacation-wise with your family. It needed to fit in whatever window that you were in under at that time, whether it's a week, two weeks, four weeks. Just don't ask for days off any other time because it was a no-no. Actually, I don't think, you know, Vince even knew that was part of the employee package or he had probably stamped it out. Yeah. It's kind of fun when we had uh, CM Punk as a guest at Starcast. um, someone asked about Becky Lynch taking a vacation and he was like, what you're, you can take vacation now. That wasn't a thing back then, you know, when he was a part of the company. So it doesn't yes. surprise me that he said that. Well, Vince never takes a day off, you know, so he expects everybody else to be that way. That's his work ethic. And that's great for him. I got a, you know, family. I got a, actually a few people on earth that like me right? occasionally. And, and when they really like me is when I take them somewhere like Aruba or Pensacola or somewhere nice. So, um, yeah, I like days off. Greg Pitt has a fun question. He says, what are your memories of hanging out socially with Magnum TA? There's a picture I saw recently of you, Magnum and Rick on a boat. We would sneak off down to uh, Lake Wiley, which is close to Charlotte, and we would go out on Rick's boat, um, you know, and it was usually when we were going to be around close to like maybe Charlotte was that night or something was real close so we could go to the lake early during the day and, and still make the show at night. And uh, we would sneak off down there during the week. There was no activity, no boats out. There was no breaking kayfabe because um, there was nobody else on the lake. Now, come Saturday, probably Friday afternoon, that lake would be packed. So we'd pick our spots and enjoy our time. It was probably 
only a couple of times that, that we were able to do that. But those days you didn't associate, you know, with the baby faces, they didn't associate with us. We protected, uh, you know, that concept that there was good guys and bad guys, and there were two separate teams and we kept it that way. Boy, this is a controversial question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. There's an internet stigma around Nia Jax being a dangerous worker due to her, several of her opponents being injured. Do you think Nia is dangerous? And if so, is it due to carelessness, lack of real training or not knowing her own strength? I can't imagine she would hurt anybody purposely. No, I just don't see that. That's just, you know, I, I talked, spoke to her many times and, you know, had a lot of her matches, had her on the road. If it's anything, it's just, she don't know her own strength. Right. And let's face it, you know, she puts some torque on everything she does. And, uh, it was like, you know, working with, you know, Vader sometimes who was a big, strong son of a gun. And, and if, you know, if he was going to do a moonsault on you, if he landed perfectly, it could have very well been Brad Armstrong that landed on you. If he was off a foot, buddy, it hurt. And you could get injured very easily because, you know, he was carrying a, you know, a big frame. Uh, I just think a lot of it has been, you know, the size difference between Naya and most of the girls and the strength factor, you know, and the fact that it's a rough business. And uh, especially when no, the one thing I think the audience needs to know is how important they really are because they provide us coming through the curtain with that rush, you know, that adrenaline rush is what carries you through a contest. And when you don't have that and you're out there just bouncing around in a cold ring without that audience input to fire you up and get you rolling, it's real easy to get hurt. And, uh, I don't know how many of those injuries have been since we lost an audience versus when we had one, but that's definitely a factor. If you don't believe it, ask any talent, the difference in going out into a cold arena and wrestling versus having a packed house and going out and wrestling. Charlie thrower wants to know, Mr. Anderson, why do wrestlers always work on their left? And how does that affect a Southpaw talent? Um, it's always been done that way. And most of us never asked why we just accepted it. Um, it's just the way it was always done. And I would imagine it's because say I want to get some heat on a guy's arm or a shoulder. Most guys are right-handed. I'd say 98% are right-handed, which frees up their right arm to fight you back and to help navigate the moves. If they're going to slam you, they can scoop you with the right arm. And it's, I think it just appeals to most right-handed guys versus left-handed guys. That would be my guess. Michael wants to know on a previous 83 weeks, Eric Bischoff mentioned that in March of 97, you were honored by receiving the key to the city in your hometown of Rome, Georgia. I was wondering if you remember that day and how you felt receiving such an honor. I did. Uh, uh, I was kind of looking for the snipers in the upper deck, uh, during that show, because let's face it, you know, I got a little rowdy. When I was growing up in Rome, there wasn't a whole lot to do, you know, 
uh, and the group of guys that I hung around with was kind of like me. We're a bunch of rednecks. Just say it. We're just a bunch of rednecks. And, uh, if we weren't fighting at the McDonald's parking lot, you know, it, the deal was there was a East McDonald's, which is East Rome where I went to school. And there was a West McDonald's, which was West Rome. And they were our rival. If you wanted to get in a fight, all you'd had to do is just go to West Rome McDonald's, park your car, get out and sit down at one of the tables. And within 20 minutes, the ship was on because we had invaded enemy territory. So I was kind of thinking there might be some leftover heat from some of that stuff that went on, but, uh, it was an honor. Chip Burnham, I think was responsible for that. Who was a great friend of mine and worked, he was the comp troller for, for Turner. And, uh, he would run a lot of the live events and stuff in the TVs and settle up the gates and the houses. And when he told me about that, I was very honored. And, uh, it was a good day. Really was. Jonathan says we've recently heard that Vince McMahon has initiated protocols of no more leg slaps from wrestlers and no longer wanting to hire new wrestlers over the age of 30. What are your opinion on these ideas? Well, the leg slapping needs to go away because it's like Bobby Eaton threw a punch and he smacked himself on the shoulder, but I beg anybody to tell me they saw it. Yeah. He was just that good. If you're that good, do it. And nobody can see it, slap your leg. If you're not, don't give away some of the magic. Yeah. And most people concentrate that leg slap doesn't land at the same time that the boot does, hypothetically, which really makes it look worse. So just, Hey, if you're going to kick a guy in the, in the mush, kick him in the mush. You don't need to smack your leg. What about uh, hiring wrestlers over 30? Do you think that's the thing? It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. You know, it, it's age is a number. Every instance where you have a blanket statement like that, aren't you ruling out a lot of guys that are in the prime of their athletic career, uh, no matter what they've done, whether it's a, you know, it doesn't matter. I, I remember back to being 30, man, I was, I mean, that was the peak, I think probably of my career where I, where I was indestructible. I felt like I was, and everybody else was around that age to cut that off. I think you're going to weed yourself out of a lot of potential talent that might've picked it up in one or two years and been an asset upper middle to a top guy in three years. So, I mean, if, if he wants to paint himself into that corner, he's going to miss out on a lot of talent. I think that's still a young, young man or young lady. I think I agree. Speaking of young men, we got a question about one here from big extra. Hey, Arn, it was great seeing Brock on dynamite. How's his training going? Does he still want to follow in the Anderson footsteps? He absolutely does. And, uh, he has been signed to a developmental contract and he's continuing to train and he is at all the TVs and, uh, he's been around, uh, the coach's room. He hangs out a little bit, you know, during the day and he has, has the opportunity on any given 
television day to be in the room with Dean Malenko. I just know him as DJ, another one of the coaches. Um, Dustin Rhodes, myself, Jake the Snake Roberts, all sitting around in that ring, Jerry Lynn, bullshitting. But can you imagine the number of years of experience and the stories that he's getting to hear? sitting in that room and the knowledge that he could acquire, just, just listing. So, um, you know, he's a real student of the business. He watches everything, listens to podcasts. He's a bit of a historian and he really works hard in the gym, both on his workouts, lifting weights. Uh, he has certainly bypassed me. I can't even work out with him anymore. He's too strong. And, uh, he's picking up the basics and the fundamentals. And I think when he's ready to debut, uh, I mean, we're always super critical of, of new talent that we see, you know, wrestling fans are fair, but judgmental and they will judge him accordingly. He won't be without training and having paid some dues and, uh, he's not going to get any special treatment. And I think you're going to be happy with the product that you see. I'm real proud of his success so far. Is that the thing you're looking forward to most in the rest of your wrestling adventure? His debut? Yeah. Well, just his career, whatever it may be. Yeah. It was one of the reasons I was holding on, uh, as, as tightly and for as long as I did with WWE, because there was no AEW. Right. And I was just trying to stay connected in the business to get him through college, which we did almost. Um, I wanted to get him uh, a position, you know, with uh, NXT and the camp down there, the performance deal. I wanted to get him started in the business. And then I, you know, once he got settled in and, and that's still true today, then if, Nobody wants me anymore. I'll be happy to go home and just be a fan and watch on TV with everybody else. Um, but yeah, that's, that's one of the things I'm really looking forward to. And I want to see him contribute to the, uh, to the business in a very positive way. It's one of the things I'm looking forward to. And then I can just maybe go down to Pensacola to, this mansion that a friend of mine, I think is going to buy or build and just probably, uh, stay with him all summer. I don't know. (laughs) One more question. Then we'll get out of here. And this is a funny one. The man from the nineties wants to know, was anyone notorious for farting? You know, I'm, I'm sure they did. Vince used to fart up at gorilla all the time and it would fill the room. And he would just sit over there. Just you'd see him. His head would just be, just be. He's laughing his ass off because sure. everybody was gagging. Jerry Briscoe was big time gagging. Who had a sensitive stomach? All that protein Vince was eating. My God, you can imagine how bad. The giant was the worst because it had sound effects. And buddy, when he he would walk in the room and look around, and you know he had been holding it, and he would just like have his bags in his hand. He would just walk, look around the room and just. I I wish I could make the sound, but it was like 
it was like two big chicken breasts flapping together <laughs> and the funk. Oh, it was just like a wave. People would be running for the door and getting jammed in the door. Two of them at a time. It was terrible. That's the two that really stand out. So there you go. I don't know how we'll finish the, how we'll beat that story, but we're going to try next week. We're going to be talking WrestleMania 32. Uh, Arn, this was, uh, God, it feels like it was just a couple of years ago. Uh, believe it or not, it was five years ago and it was in Dallas. And I guess they're going to Dallas next year. It's one of the biggest WrestleMania crowds of all time on last is Roman reigns and triple H right before that. We saw a surprise appearance from the rock. We had the Andre, the giant Memorial battle Royal. We had Shane McMahon jumping off a hill in a cell against the undertaker. We had a three-way with Charlotte and Becky Lynch and Sasha banks. The divas title is no more. Now we're getting the women's championship, a no holds barred street fight with Brock Lesnar and Dean Ambrose and on and on and on. Uh, it was quite the night for WWE, one of their biggest nights ever. And that's what we'll be doing next week here on the show. And if you've got a question, it's easy to ask. Just cruise over to at the Arn show and fire off your question right there. It's at the Arn show until next time. He is at the Arn show. I am at, Hey, Hey, it's Conrad. And we are out of time. We'll see you next week right here on Arn. So if you follow me on Twitter, you know, I refer to myself as Conrad, the mortgage guy, and actually used to program myself in my phone going back like, I don't know, 10 years. So whenever I would share my contact information with someone, I was easy to find in their phone. You know, it's easy to meet a person and then you sort of remember meeting them, but you don't correlate their name and what they do with their face. You know, does that make sense? So I just program myself in there as Conrad, the mortgage guy. And now that's what I call myself on Twitter. I believe in being easy to do business with, but don't take my word for it. Ask Steven up in Hobart, Indiana. He says, I had a great experience. Working with Derek was a breeze. He was always thorough and kept me in the loop to make sure I understood everything. It was very fast and helped me get a great rate. A big thank you to Derek and his entire team. Now, thank you, Stephen, for the five-star review. The five-star reviews are piling up, man. If you want to save money, if you want to make this as painless and hassle-free as possible, you just got to try SaveWithConrad.com. That really is what my family wants to do, because Derek is my cousin, by the way. Let my family save your family some cash. You don't need perfect credit. You don't need money out of your pocket, but we will save you money. It's not a matter if it's a matter of how much Let's save with Conrad.com and MLS number six, five, zero, eight, four equal housing lender. Hurry to save with Conrad.com. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round together. It's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra? I think I can get an extra five to ten. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B L E A V on YouTube or wherever you listen.